Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. On this episode, we'll address the question of whether corporate management waivers of financial statement errors identified by their auditors are a cost to investors. Our special guest is Preeti Chowdhury, Associate Professor of Accounting at the University of Arizona's Eller College of Management. Professor Chowdhury is the co-author of a recent research paper, The Costs of Waiving Audit Adjustments. The paper analyzes data made available through the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. The PCAOB is the private sector body established by the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 that oversees the audits of U.S. public companies. The paper concludes that there's a cost to investors when corporate management decides not to accept proposed adjustments to their financial statements identified by their independent auditors. Welcome, Professor. Thanks again for speaking with us about your research. Thank you for having me. Professor, for our listeners who are not accountants, can you explain what is an auditor proposed adjustment to a company's financial statements and and why and how corporate management might decide not to accept those adjustments. Thanks, Jeff. That's a good place to start. So auditors collect evidence to provide reasonable assurance that financial statements are not materially misstated. To collect evidence, auditors follow procedures in authoritative auditing guidelines. The procedures include analytical procedures, or maybe tests of controls, walkthroughs, and even substantive tests of accounts to verify the accuracy of account balances. This evidence that auditors gather may indicate the presence of a misstatement. So roughly speaking, a misstatement is an amount that deviates from the amount that would result from an objective and expert application of generally accepted accounting principles otherwise known as U.S. GAAP. These misstatements could arise from, you know, inaccurate data processing, or perhaps a misapplication of U.S. GAAP, or even from differences in judgments that might exist between managers and auditors. Here's an example of a difference in judgment. Suppose the auditor comes up with different estimated amounts for the inputs that estimate the value of stock option compensation under U.S. GAAP. More generally, misstatements could be known. For example, a particular customer account's receivable balance, which is the amount the customer owes the company, could be misrecorded. Or misstatements could be based upon extrapolation. Extrapolation is much more complicated. Because the auditor does not test each and every transaction, instead they test a sample of transactions. Because the auditor does not test each and every customer account balance, instead they test a sample of customer account balances, the the auditor has to estimate the total amount of misstatements from the sample they analyze. So for example, suppose the auditor identifies errors that lead to an overstatement of customer account balances of the sampled accounts by approximately 5%. Then by extrapolation, the auditor could estimate that the overall balance of total amounts that all customers owe the company could also be overstated by 5%. 
The latter is the example of extrapolation. After gathering audit evidence, the auditor will present misstatements to management as a list of proposed adjustments. This is a list of corrections that from the auditor's perspective of applying US GAAP would make the financial statements more accurate. So management will review this list with the auditor and in discussion with the auditor, will make a judgment or a decision about what corrections to record from the list. There's a variety of incentives at play in these discussions, and there may be even negotiations that ensue between the auditor and manager in these discussions. We can't see that process in our data, but what we know from conversations with those in practice is that auditors are trying to balance the risk of not recording the, the misstatements with the benefits of retaining the client. So remember the client specifically the board of directors, is the one who hires and pays the auditor. So the auditor has an incentive to try to keep the client reasonably happy. At the same time, the auditor does not want to hurt their reputation by allowing the client to waive or not record too many of the adjustments because that could increase the likelihood there's an undetected error or errors that in combination with the detected errors make financial statements materially misstated. Prior research has shown that restatements of course affect auditor reputations negatively, and they can even affect client retention too. So this is a delicate balancing act the auditor has to play. There's a variety of reasons the manager might want to not record the adjustments. These could be innocuous reasons, such as they don't want to go through the process of correcting misstatements now when they're just about to issue financial statements. Rather, they might prefer to defer it to next period. Or the reasons could be more nefarious, such as recording the adjustment could affect their ability to meet an earnings benchmark and even maybe meet some compensation uh, guidelines. At the end of these negotiations, the outcome is reviewed by the audit committee, and of course the board of directors must approve it. Now I should clarify that waived adjustments, those that are not recorded by management, fall below materiality thresholds set by the auditor. This means that the auditor can actually still give a clean opinion that financial statements are not materially misstated. But I want to emphasize that a clean opinion does not mean zero misstatements. We don't have data on the audit evidence gathered by the auditor or even the original schedule of proposed adjustments or the negotiations that might ensue between the auditor and the manager. What our data shows is the outcome of this complex process or the final schedule of proposed waived and recorded adjustments. And when we look at the data, we were very surprised to see that about 20% of the sample that we have had no proposed adjustments. Of the remaining 80%, 50% of them record none of the adjustments proposed by the auditor. About 12% of the sample records all of the adjustments and the remaining 38% record some of the adjustments selectively. So speaking for myself, 
I was surprised that so many firms didn't record any proposed adjustments, given the heightened scrutiny by the board and the general concern about high quality financial reporting in the post Sarbanes-Oxley era. Of course, we must keep in mind that as long as waived adjustments do not exceed materiality thresholds, and our data indicate they do not, that financial statements are not materially misstated. Professor, based on your research, what are the most significant costs to investors when corporate management decides to waive or, or not record the auditor's proposed financial statement adjustments? Jeff, I think the most significant cost is the possibility of undetected errors. These errors are not currently known by the auditor, but might be uncovered in future audit work. In other words, detected errors or proposed adjustments might only represent the tip of the iceberg. And by not recording adjustments, managers have less cushion for undetected errors, which increases the possibility of a restatement. Consistent with this conjecture, we find evidence that larger waived adjustments, while below materiality thresholds, are associated with future material error corrections or restatements. These larger waived adjustments are not really in and of themselves very large. For example, in our sample, the average amount of misstatement and in net income is only about 5% of materiality. Consistent with the view that auditors take some risk when managers waive adjustments and attempt to compensate for this risk, we also find that waived adjustments are associated with more audit work. Of course, the client has to pay for this additional work, so waiving adjustments also cost shareholders money in the form of higher audit fees. Finally, we find the propensity to restate is not higher for companies that had proposed adjustments and chose to record them. The inference is that clients can reduce the costs associated with restatements and audit fees by potentially recording the adjustments proposed by the auditor. That's our final question. What, if any, are the implications of your research findings for corporate governance practices and related policymaking? In terms of policymaking, experience shows that changes in disclosure requirements can have both expected and unanticipated effects on behavior. So a new rule that might require disclosure of proposed waived adjustments could almost surely change auditor and manager behavior as in addition, it could change audit committee behavior in ways that are complex and difficult to foresee. So what we can say based upon our evidence is that there are implications for practice. Because shareholders cannot currently see the schedule of proposed recorded or waived adjustments, they can't really use the evidence to evaluate the audit committee or even managers. But we think our evidence that waiving adjustments is costly should be useful to audit committees. Specifically, professionals that sit on audit committees now have some hard evidence of the costs of waiving in terms of financial reporting reliability and in terms of audit fees. They could, and we think they should, use this evidence to push back on decisions to waive. 
Our evidence provides an indication that waiving is costly to shareholders. So this practice is not in the best interest of investors. We hope that board members pause and consider these previously undocumented costs to waiving and perhaps apply more pressure on management to record adjustments. We acknowledge that without a change in requirements to disclose proposed or waived adjustments, shareholders can't really make these decisions and assessments for themselves. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Professor Preeti Chowdhury, Associate Professor of Accounting, Eller College of Management at the University of Arizona. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.